Hey, bud. What's up? What else? What? Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well. Wow. Welcome to Public Access America. My name is Jason. I'm the one with egg on my face this week. You know, I was editing, I was listening to our episode Thursday, and the first thing I said was, I don't want to talk about Russia. Russia is going to be what it's going to be. <laughs> <clears throat> well. And a week later, I feel like I got to boot up my ass. A big giant communist boot up my ass. <laughs> it's time now for something positive. Be headed to the promised land the of promised speaking land, the truth land, and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. Problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning. It is not the finale, and that's why we're here, and that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. A way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. Do something. Yeah, I think we. Well, that's just it. You know, this is this is a really unfortunate situation, and you know, I know we go into every week kind of like F. We'll just talk about whatever comes up. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes you get something that comes up so big that it's you're just not ignoring it. You well, can't. The thing is, is um, we we have a listenership audience in Russia. Like mm-hmm. I know a lot of rural Russia doesn't get us, doesn't get internet access, but St. Petersburg, Moscow, a lot of those people get our podcast. They have access to it. And if mm-hmm. we have a chance of flying under a radar that CNN and MSNBC can't, right. then I'm happy to give that a try. I, I, what I did was I took Vladimir Zelensky's speech to the Russian people and I made that a TikTok and I asked people to share it <laughs> because I, I just think it's that important that the Russian mm-hmm. people get a little bit of perspective here because this is a giant moment in the access of democracy and communism. And I'm just going to let you talk about it initially. Oh, you know, this is one of those things like, you know how often I've said, you know, governments just need to leave each other the fuck alone. And yeah, this is one of those things where I, I, you know, I hate saying I'm right. And the reason I hate saying I'm right is because, you know, you and I both know the people of these various countries eat hell, even in our own country. Nobody wants to go to war. Nobody thinks that's fucking cool. Nobody thinks that's going to be, you know, a walk in the park. We all like, especially, you know, as Americans in the last 20 years, we either know people or we know people who know people who've lost somebody in a war. There's a segment of our population that really is like war horny. You know what I mean? They want to play war. They want to imitate war, but they don't really know what war is. I think Ukraine is changing that. When you see scenes of yards, houses, yards, gas stations, freeways that look exactly like ours, and you see people that look exactly like us stopping tanks, that that brings it home in a way that I don't think anybody intended. Right. And 
And that's just it is, is like, you know, I, I have to give my kudos to the Russian people who've gone out to protest and say, stop this, you know, yeah. stop the war, no war, because, you know, they don't live in a, in a society like ours where, you know, I get to, you know, I could go out and, you know, stand out in front of my local capital and, and demand that there's no war, say, fuck the governor, fuck the president, things like that. Right. And nothing's going to happen to me. <clears throat> I mean, there might be some supporters on the other side who try to rouse some shit, but the government's not going to do anything. I'm not going to jail Mm-mm. for saying fuck the president or fuck the government. I'm not going to jail for protesting the war. You know, that's it's one of those things where, you know, I really do wish more societies had that right. And, you know, watching people who are you know, quite literally just standing there holding up signs get arrested. That's, you know, that really should drive it home for a lot of people why you don't want to limit protests, at least here in this country. Well, the the same freedom that gives Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson their voices are the same ones that give us our counterpoint abilities. So, I mean, that's a freedom that we definitely do have that communists definitely don't. And I keep thinking of Tucker Carlson, the one communist of record, one of two communists on record right now, him and Trump, that he would not have the ability to question his country if he if we had communist rule and i think about donald trump saying doesn't that look wonderful those peacekeepers we need that on our border and i keep thinking that's the america donald trump wants for new york and chicago and la and mm-hmm. seattle those are the that's what he wants he that's donald trump's fever dream is a police state like that and him coming out and being so blatant on it is forcing republicans to go the other way thank god <laughs> yeah absolutely you know and and there's been some republicans here that i had their responses have somewhat surprised me me too uh, tommy tuberville for example that wasn't wow. expecting that one that I, was one of mitt romney going on cnn and saying go saying cozying up to putin is close to treasonous Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. And that, yes, Donald Trump stopping javelins to Ukraine is affecting them now. And we're seeing what his effects are having. You know, I On like that Republicans sign, though, are doing that. Absolutely. And at the same time, too, you know, we've watched as, you know, finally some of our, uh, some of our friends have managed to get arms and ammunition to Ukraine. Um, yeah. And so <clears throat> for the Ukrainian people, that's paying off. And, um, you know, all of this, all of this could have been avoided. You know, this, that's the tough part in this is that, yeah, Ukraine wanted to join NATO, but NATO wasn't exactly interested in having Ukraine. That was well, the thing. 27 members were Hungary, and I, I can't remember the other countries that were opposed to it at the time, but it's, it's, it's a unanimous thing. 30, mem- 30 countries have to agree to it. And so that's yep. what they were waiting for. Just like, you know, when, when we wanted to pass equal rights amendment, 37 states had to agree to it. it mm-hmm. it's, you need a consensus in a community to do these things. And that's the problem with, with what's going on with NATO. It's a slower process like the UN. It's, it's full of roadblocks that people are using to get their way. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, <clears throat> and that's where this all gets really interesting because all of this could have been avoided really could have, you know, without, without a NATO treaty, 
you know, there weren't going to be any, any American troops in Ukraine. Right. And even if there were uh, a NATO treaty, you know, the American government hasn't exactly been thrilled about sending more troops. In fact, we had pulled a lot of our troops saying, look, you know, you guys need to learn how to defend yourselves. I mean, you right. guys have the capabilities, but, you know, we can't be the one that's supplying forces everywhere. <clears throat> and right around that time, you know, we're, we're pulling troops back home. We're uh -huh. pulling them away. Putin goes and does this. And now we're forced to send a lot of those troops back into all these other countries that we had just pulled them out of. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to try and guess what Putin was thinking, but I think he thought his 20 year plan was about to die because Donald Trump wasn't going to get reelected and he wasn't going to be able to do it covertly. And so he just had to do mm -hmm. this overtly. Why he had to do it is an interesting thing to me because <laughs> When you think about when you think about Putin, he's not coming from a position of strength. What he's coming from is like a devastated economy that bases forty-five to fifty-five percent of it on a pipeline. You know, like he has. Somebody once said that Russia is a gas station posing as a country, and the truth is, is so. And this is important. There's monarchs, and then there's autocrats, kleptocrats, kleptocrat is an autocrat that siphons money out of a country into his own financial gains. And so mm -hmm. Russia could prosper if, if, if there wasn't so much money being siphoned out of the country, if he put it back into the country, but he doesn't invest in infrastructure, he pulls all the profits out for a yacht. And so they don't have, they can't, they can't find oil. They need Shell to come in. They need Exxon to come in and find their oil from them. They can't, they can't dig it. They can't process it properly. They're using mm -hmm. old, old stuff to do it because they don't invest in this stuff. And so the mm -hmm. Russian people, the communist idea is that everybody works for the glory of the government. And if the government, the communist government could be prospering right now, but he's stolen all of those profits. And so now what he's left with is nothing, no resources. And I kind of think he wants to invade Ukraine for the resources, for the wheat, mm -hmm. for, for that stuff. So he can prop up his economy in a different direction and diversify instead of investing the money he's taking into diversification. Yep. No. And then that's, and I, and that's definitely a, an absolutely, uh, I would say a true statement in that regard. Cause when you look at, you know, it's not even just the farming economy. It's also the fact that Ukraine has a ton of minerals. They also, they have a ton of fissionable materials, right? They, you know, Ukraine has a huge, uh, uranium source and Ukraine has a huge titanium source. You know, that's something that's very important. <clears throat> so the reality is, is that, you know, when it comes to, you know, all the resources that Ukraine has, you know, Russia had, you know, it, basically Ukraine's sources were developed, you know, to the point of being easily accessible. Russia mm -hmm. refuses to do that with their own stuff. So, and they have the landmass to do it. That's my oh, point. Absolutely. They could easily plant wheat fields if, if Putin just invested in tractors, but he'd rather have his um, lap pools on his yacht. And that's the point we need to drive home. Why did America go into Afghanistan? Minerals, right? Like to a big point, it was the resources. It wasn't to 
extend mm-hmm. democracy to a place. It was because it was profitable. We were making more than we were spending there. But then when that became obvious that it was for minerals and not human rights, we got out. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's the thing is, is like, you know, our access to min- minerals there became questionable. And mm-hmm. I mean, let's be real honest about that. And at the same time too, you know, we started to recognize the signs that, you know, the only reason that we were keeping that access available was because we were keeping troops in the country. And if we were going to ever get ourselves out of the country, we either had to a have a government there that you know, could fight like the Ukrainians are, or B, we just had to give up and say, look, you know, this is untenable. And that's pretty much what happened. You know, we were looking at, you know, Obama was looking at pulling out of Afghanistan 10 years ago. Oh, and, yeah. And didn't do it. And Trump said he was going to do it. And it didn't, it didn't, you know, the, the motion started, but it didn't come to fruition until after he was out of office. Right. He did it at the end of his term to cause chaos for Biden. And bravo. I mean, congratulations to Biden for handling this the way he has. Yeah. I mean, it, that, I mean, all, everybody I know that talked to said no matter what Ukraine was, or Ukraine, Afghanistan was going to be a shit show. I mean, Ukraine's yeah. also kind of a shit show right now. But, you know, I would say that, you know, when you look at how Ukraine has handled themselves up against an advancing force, that, you know, it's a much different story, you know, because Ukraine's fighting for their own homeland and they're fighting to keep away from, you know, being under Russian rule again. Right it's been pretty amazing to see the amount of fight that they have in them, you know, and, 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 you know, it's something that we've talked about, you know, multiple times, you know, especially, you know, me being a gun owner and everything like that, you know, with the Ukrainian government handing out weapons to whoever wants to stay and fight Mm -hmm. uh, for our American audience. And I would, you know, for all other audiences around the world, um, the reason we have the second amendment is basically the scenario that's happening in Ukraine right now. Right. It's, this is the exact scenario. Why Americans are allowed to keep and bear arms. Now, to, to form a militia, it isn't to, to have some, uh, horn dog shooting contest, you know, shooting people everywhere on the streets or mass exactly. shootings and killings in schools. That's not what it, the second amendment was for. It was to protect each other, not to kill each other. Exactly. And that, and, and that is a realization that a lot of people I've seen are, are finally starting to understand it. It's now, I mean, when you look at the American position, you know, where we're at, is Canada going to do anything to us? No, is Mexico going to do anything to us. No, like realistically, the only, the only country out there that has the ability to let's say do something like what's happening in Ukraine would be China and China is mm-hmm. not going to do that because that'll completely fuck up their economy. They, they have no desire to do that. And what that's a great point because China is actually what Russia could be, right? Mm-hmm. Because she isn't siphoning out the profits. He's investing it and he's actually borrowing against his potential to create a better society. I mean, I do not like his humanitarian views, right? But you have to say as far as a leader leading a country, taking out 30% of his atrocities, you know, taking out that and looking at him as a ruler investing in his country, that's what communism is supposed to be, you know? And Mm -hmm. I just, 
I see she saying, go ahead and invade Ukraine because I really like the the resources I have just off to the west. You know, I want I kind of want a little of Russia for myself. And if I can just work my way in there, you're gonna lose a lot of land because Putin's gonna fall and she's gonna capitalize on that. Oh, I guarantee you that, you know, most likely, you know, somebody will try and capitalize on on Russia falling. Yeah. And the thing is is that it's it's not gonna be the US. <clears throat> That's that's the that's that's the real honest truth because right. we don't have any desire to try and go in there and make that happen. We have, you know, we did that whole issue of you know having an, having a system of allies go in and fight a war, right. and then have to divide up a country in order to quote unquote, you know, administer administer uh, the peacekeeping of that country, right. and that was a shit show. And then you know, there's absolutely zero appetite to do that. And so, people will fight that. The people no. will fight that. I mean, that's what we did yeah. in in South South America, right? Little puppet regimes all over the place. It doesn't work. The people don't like it, right? And that's and and that's one of the things is is that you know, when you look at how the West handled situations like Japan and Germany after you know the Second World War, mm-hmm. you know we had these we had these fights of well, what system of government is going to be the best? And the answer was legitimately that. You know, we dumped a bunch of money into, you know, places like uh, South Korea. We dumped a bunch of money into places like Japan and Germany for them to become, you know, the the systems that they are. Mm-hmm. But overwhelmingly, what ended up happening was we allowed them to adopt their own, you know, their own dreams as well. That's right. And, you, you know, Japan and Germany are, I would not say are anything close to a puppet of America in any way, shape or form. In fact, a lot of the times, the things that we want to do, they flat out tell us no. <laughs> right. And, and, then, and we're like, all right, well, okay. And democracy. And there, we've had a lot of failures with that too, right? We've invested oh, yeah. in countries and that it's just totally tanked, but there's, there's democracy springing up around here in the Dominican Republic <clears throat> and other places like around our hemisphere and democracy is still thriving and i think what what i think about ukraine is like it's this Mm -hmm. stage it's like it's where communism the best of communism meets the best of democracy for a head-to-head contest on who's better right and Mm -hmm. that was that was the stage and i think putin just kind of flipped the chessboard and went i don't want to play anymore (laughs) (laughs) well i mean he did flat out put his his nuclear uh arsenal on alert because he sees the illegitimate western sanctions it's like you know the thing is is that if you got the fuck out of ukraine we would probably be willing to talk about reversing those sanctions right and the and that's the reality is is that you can call them illegitimate all you want but you know we're not the ones with fucking troops you know bombing schools and fucking you know, civilian living blocks in another right. country uh, right now, I should say. Like he didn't, he didn't even give them a chance to evacuate women and children. You know, he was just like, no, we're not going to invade. No, no, no. No. What you, no the, the heinous part is going, is having a, a, a meeting with the UN saying that the, the Russian, you know, the Russian government isn't going to invade Ukraine right. while they are literally invading Ukraine. Like that right there is probably the most heinous thing that I've seen. And it's, it's, it's absolutely aberrant. It's, it's, right. there is no excuses. There's no reasons. And, and unfortunately I think that you're going to see 
the Russian government lose a lot of its pull on the international stage because of it. Right. And, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you've got China who is, you know, you know, not helping the Russians out. I mean, they're still, they're still, you know, throwing their blame at us for a number of things, but they're also telling Russia that they have to respect Ukraine's sovereignty. Right. And they are not helping them, you know, avoid sanctions. They're not, they're, they've hindered their ability to borrow based on commodities. Mm-hmm. They've hindered their ability to transfer money. So, I mean, China has done its own thing to, you know, basically keep the Russians in check. And that's one part, it's, it's, it's one part, you know, trying to appease, I, I wouldn't say appease the U S and the Western side of the thing of the country. Cause you know, they have a lot of they they do have a lot of market in other countries in western countries and yeah. they don't want to lose that market but at the same time too i can also see where for china it's a power play to show the russians look you don't have the pull you once had so you need to stop acting like you do right you have an economy the size of texas on a good day <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and i imagine that when Putin went to the Olympics. He told she this was going to happen. And for some reason, I see she just saying, uh, no, like, we're not supporting this, but I do. I see two steps away from Russia saying we have no choice, but then to deal with only China and China saying, why would we pay you for the, for the resources that are on land that we can take from you? You know, I really see that happening in two or three steps in 10 years. China could just take half of, because Russia, they don't, they don't, they can't protect that. Their east side, you know what I mean? Is uh, yeah, east side. Yeah, their east side. Yeah, their eastern side. <clears throat> so I well, just see China taking it. Like those are ours. It was Chinese land originally. So I don't see why they wouldn't just say, "Hey, you want to, you want to form your Soviet Union? We want our empire back too." You know. And that, and that's I think the dangerous the dangerous part about this is is that mm-hmm. you know when it comes down to it it's like you, you have a bunch of people who ain't exactly acting like friends they ain't exactly acting like enemies and you know they're just a bunch of sharks waiting until they can smell blood in the water right and 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 that's exactly what's going to happen unfortunately they this is uh you know this is going to be tough for. I would say a lot of Western democracies in that you're going to watch Ukraine either win this fight and, you know, take out enough troops that Moscow somehow decides this is not tenable mm-hmm. or what's going to happen is, is you're going to see something like, you know, somebody's going to get trigger happy with something they shouldn't. And that's going to leave the United States no choice, but to get involved in that you don't want to do. Right. I mean, Russian Russia took hold of Chernobyl. Why? Why would they fight so hard to take over Chernobyl? You know, that's scary to me. Moving nukes into Belarus and putting your nuclear armory on high demand. I wanted to start this episode with the phrase nuclear blackmail, you know, because mm-hmm. that and is that's... a scary ass thought. That's when I started taking this like him seriously. Like, I honestly. I see the war in Ukraine is devastating, but when he said, stay out of it or I'll nuke you, that was that to me, a line that we all had to take serious. Well, to me, it was a line we had to take serious, but at that point I still thought he had his faculties about him enough to not fucking do that. Right. But, but 
today now that he is he has put russia's nuclear forces on on high alert mm-hmm. like that that is really disconcerting because you know even even though the united states has some of the most advanced nuclear weapons in the world the idea of us using them is like the furthest thing from our brains but this move by Russia, I guarantee you, is going to leave us no choice but but to advance to DEFCON 2, which basically means, you know, we're teetering on a precipice. And, right. you know, f- for those who don't know, DEFCON 1, so we have 5 through 1, 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest, 1 meaning nukes are either detonating or they're on the way. And and so DEFCON 2 basically means like even for us now we have to put our nuclear systems on alert. And I and I'm not saying that we're that we've done that yet. I don't know if we have or not. Um, easily could look it up though because they do put that out, information out. Oh, there. Yeah, they have the doomsday but, clock, right? Two minutes. To well, midnight. the doomsday clock is done by another organization. Um, I'll look up DEFCON status right now and see if we yeah. have. Um, but so a nuclear uh, Russia and we and Russia have a nuclear triad, which means we have land, sea, and air nuclear capabilities. And Russia and Trump eliminated the intermediate range uh, nuclear treaty that we had with them. And so Russia has been able to design intermediate range missiles. They tried doing a hypersonic missile that just circled the earth with a nuclear warhead on it and that crashed into the ocean so we do know that they were they were you know designing this stuff so it's real possible that you know a russian submarine could be off the coast of alaska right now or off the coast of maine or florida or seattle you know i mean it's it's always possible and that's the thing about it is, is that we you know we never know exactly, you know, what could happen. And it's, it's really hard to say the United States definitely does not want anything to do with uh, any sort of nuclear, you know, exposure. It's not right. It's not what we want. And it's, it's very disconcerting that we even have to think about it. And what's weird is now we all know what Donald Trump looked like from the from the other perspective like not here somewhere else right (laughs) because putin is doing this sweaty jerky sort of lying he knows he's lying he knows that we're telling everybody exactly how he's lying he doesn't seem to notice like i don't think he understands that the world is in this 21st century form of media where everybody sees everything all the time and he thinks he's pulling the wool over our eyes because he has a bunch of people around him saying yeah you're being so sly like mom mike 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 pompeo saying he's very shrewd i don't know how shrewd he's being right now like i almost feel like he has a form of rabies you know what i mean like it's early on rabies was my initial thought yeah it's yeah i'll have to i'll have to see if i can find that another way here later but yeah yeah the the reality is 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 that you know we we were at defcon 3 i know that much whether or not we've moved up to defcon 2 after that like to give you an idea, the last the the only time that the United States has moved up to DEFCON two was when uh, the Soviet Union put uh, nuclear missiles in Cuba. Yeah, the Cuban Missile Crisis. You know, and and you know, you think about that. That was a time where 
you know, the United States had more advanced nuclear capable, uh, nuclear missiles mm-hmm. and were able to deliver strikes to the Soviet Union. Uh, but the Russians had to be a lot closer in order to do that. And so that was one of those things where, you know, for them, they showed their hand that they couldn't hit us unless they were right off our coast. Right. But we could hit them from, you know, essentially across the world. <clears throat> now, you know, both sides could do that. That's not hard for either side to do. And, and, and this should all worry anybody. Like, yeah, I am, I am somebody who firmly believes that nuclear weapons were the biggest mistake of, of humanity. Um, the idea that, well, if we can't have it, then we're just going to glass half the planet is absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not okay. Like if, Mm -hmm. if your idea of, if your idea of, of, winning a fight is to render the habit on the rubber, the planet uninhabitable, then you really need to reevaluate your position as a human being, because yeah. we can, we can disagree. We can, we can fight conventional wars, but at the end of the day, you still have to respect humanity and, and humanity that is not going to be involved in um, a nuclear showdown. Right. And those, those are the people that, you know, we need to be thinking about and we need to respect because they're, they are going to experience the fallout of, of all out nuclear war. And that's not okay. And since, since Reagan, there's been an attempt to get to nuclear zero and it wasn't until, I mean, nothing stopped until Putin got into power. And then it was accelerated when Trump started another nuclear cold war by, um, modernizing our nukes, which caused Russia to modernize their nukes, which started this whole process to where we are right now, where people, you know, mm-hmm. in the 1950s, when they came up with this nuclear stuff, we played with things like nuclear hand grenades and bazookas, mm-hmm. and we realized that isn't safe. <laughs> so we yeah. got rid of that. We we went to Russia and we went, no, right? And Russia was like sane enough to be like, no. No, we don't want to make nuclear hand grenades, you know? Exactly. Like, you know, we had nuclear torpedoes, nuclear hand grenades, nuclear, um, Mm -hmm. like, I I, I remember they even, they were even experimenting with nuclear bullets, like for conventional rifles. So the idea was like, okay, yeah, I may not be able to kill you, but I can give you radiation sickness. And it's like, okay, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Right. Yeah exactly and you know, so there was sanity to this and i don't i think there should be a specific force <laughs> for when somebody says i'm gonna nuke you to where we go and arrest whoever it is on the planet at the time <laughs> you know what i mean that's right. dangerous as fuck that should never be a threat that comes out of anybody's mouth unless they want to be north korean you know well and, and i have to give kudos to uh, mikhail gorbachev for coming out, you know, and saying, you know, after, after his, you know, rule of the Soviet Union saying that, you know, nuclear weapons are, are the biggest threat to the planet and nobody should have them. Right. I couldn't agree more, um, in that regard. I don't believe anybody should have nuclear weapons. And, and I mean, it's a fever dream because you have, you have a number of countries who will not give them up. And I really wish that they would all consider it. 
yeah. because because that it's a dangerous game to play and it's only going to take you know one madman who has enough of a psychophant following mm-hmm. that they'll be like yeah fuck it we're going to hit that button yeah. you know luckily you know in the past it's you know for for americans and and you know the soviets there there were people behind the scenes that were like no 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 we don't want to do this this is a terrible right. decision and and you know we've had that back channel communication to stop that from happening and mm-hmm. my hope is is that we have more of that we need more of that we need more people that are willing to step up and say fucking no calm the fuck down this isn't right that's what i'm wondering is there anybody behind the scenes in russia that would stop him i, I would imagine you, there has to be somebody i guarantee you there there probably is and my hope is is that this person has the bravery to you know walk this back off of a off of a ledge yeah and I, and i and i and i and i say that as as somebody who you know i i I truly want peace for the ukrainian people i truly want peace for the russian people and and i want peace for everybody i want people to just be able to live their lives and not have to worry about who the fuck's going to invade their country and who the fuck's going to kill them and and or nuke them there is no reason to let it progress that far the world wasn't made for 10 assholes you know what i mean (laughs) vladimir putin doesn't get to scare the entire planet that's not fair like victor orban doesn't have the permission to just fuck with the entire planet like kim in north korea these guys don't have the right to just say it's so you know like i believe that people have the i don't care north korea be north korea but open your border and let people out if they want to be out let people in if they want to be in and then go with that if you believe north korea's government is the best do it if you believe communism is the best go to russia but you know and if you believe it here like if you're tucker carlson and you want to you know expose communism to the light of day you know go ahead and do that we'll make up our decision you know in america you can say what you want i honestly think that fox news has tucker on because they're trying to break into the russian market kind of like facebook and apple and google are trying to do and i think fox just puts a communist on one hour a day so that he gets on their their tv and then they can start running the state-owned tv that's what i feel about fox and that's gross to me but let them do it i mean well i mean you've already had people in the russian government flat out say that you know they're they're citing stuff from tucker carlson yeah. and, and and trying and and trying to say that you know what tucker carlson is saying is the way that the vast majority of americans feel and right i'm gonna tell you right now that even even amongst you know you know a lot of my friends and family who are you know lean towards the right and some of them very heavily so mm-hmm. don't believe that you know right so that's that's the thing is like you know it's it's really tough because you know getting any american to be a communist is an impossible thing especially with the like america lovers that they gathered like i get trump tricked them to make america better but those people aren't going to jump to communism as the answer to it you know never no never oh hell no They, they will never do that you know and 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 that's the you know and 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 that's the irony of it is is you have Putin, who's literally saying that he's trying to denazify Ukraine. I'm glad you brought that up. 
who is led by a fucking Jew. Right, from Russia. He's a Wait. TV personality from Russia that went to Ukraine. <laughs> like, I think he's, oh, he's Ukrainian, but he, right. I mean, he got famous in Russia. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I think he's fr- he was born in Russia, but he went to Ukraine. I'm not quite oh. sure. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff, but but that's the amazing thing is like they know he's not a Nazi. They've known him. It's like saying Bob Saget was like a a racist. We know Bob Saget. He's been in our lives forever. So, and Vladimir Zelensky is like the closest thing to a superhero we have on the planet right now, you know. And he's gonna. He wants to meet. I I don't I don't. All right. Oh wait. Nope. He was so so. Uh, Zelensky was born in. Um, let's see here. I am going to butcher this. Krivy uh, uh, Re, Ukrainian SSR. Okay. So he was born in. He was born in Ukraine. In, okay. in Ukrainian in territory. But when it was oh, when it was controlled by Russia. When it was part of the Soviet Union. That's so, still but cool. That's, I that's mean, a lot of. That's yeah. a lot. That's going to be a lot of it, though. So, like, he is. He's very much. You know, he's Ukrainian through and through. Well, that's the point. It's kind of like America and Texas, Russia and Ukraine. Like it's a form of Russia. Like Russians are living in Ukraine, right? Russian speaking former Russians are are living and working in Ukraine. Ukrainians live in Russia. It's right there to where the border is so porous to where anybody can go. And that's a real weird thing i heard like the soldiers a russian soldier actually said i didn't know i was coming to kill ukrainians these are my brothers you know yep and that's and the, and and that's i think the reality is is that you have you know a lot of the slop countries view themselves as brothers through, right. through i mean you know the you look at you know moscow moscow comes from the kievan rus right you know, because you had, you know, the the Kievan Rus were, you know, a tribe that eventually would settle within, you know, the northern regions, and you know, would found what would be modern Russia. Right, Kiev was Russia's, um, what is that capital, right? For a long time, uh, not not this, no no no. When it was an empire, I thought I thought it was. No, uh, that was always uh, uh, Saint Petersburg. Okay. Um, but I mean, you, by, by going back, I mean, a lot of, a lot, I want to say even like into like the eight or nine hundreds, you know, a lot of what would become Russia, you know, the, the people there were based out of, out of Ukraine and Kiev. So you're, you, you know, a lot of the, the Slavic countries are well, like, like uh, there's a lot of them that owe some lineage to, um, uh, to keep you know their foundations right give. and and that's and and that's really what it boils down to is it's like they are very much related they're very much brothers and i want to say you know between like if i remember correctly something like between belarusian and russian and ukraine like there's a like it's kind of like the the scandinavian languages they're they're mutually intelligible right um, but um there are some significant differences between them and and so like i want to say you know you know belarusian and uh, belarusian and russian and there's like a 90% similarity and ukrainian and russian there's like like 84% similarity or something like that so it's like mutually intelligible like they can understand each other right. but like you know given that they were part of the the ussr for a long time all those countries they all spoke russian because of their russian language programs okay um and that I think is has a lot more to do with 
uh, Brezhnev than anything, because, uh, I mean, Stalin wanted people to, you know, Stalin was Georgian. And so that was one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, Nikita Khrushchev, he wanted, he wanted greater, uh, literacy and he made huge steps towards doing that, but, you know, he wanted people to be fluent in their languages and Russian. Mm -hmm. So Russian was very much on the table for a lot of them, but then during the Brezhnev era, if I remember correctly, the language program became, you know, that Russian was, you know, your primary language and all other languages were treated as a foreign language. So even, even if you were Ukrainian, uh, you know, you had to be, you had to learn Russian primary and Ukrainian was taught like once a week as a foreign language, even though you're literally Ukrainian. <laughs> right. And so that's, um, that's something that's, of that's really interesting because, because of, you know, how those countries were, were, were they were integrated and how yeah. they learned to be able to work with each other despite having, you know, a number of different ethnicities. <clears throat> right. I just think Ukraine was a great neutral zone for that. It was a great melding pot for ideas that way. I mean, if you could form a hybrid of communism and democracy and socialism and capitalism all in one place, that's a breeding ground like Hong Kong, like Taiwan. These are places, the Philippines that, you know, it's on the table. Which one do you want? It's right there. Like it is in America right now. You know, like you don't see the choice in Canada being communism or what we have. It's just not a debate there. You know, in, in England, it, it was during Brexit, a point of debate and countries get to make their choices and the people get to make their choices. If 51% of Ukraine wants Russia, then I say you push for it, but you can't force it, you know? And that's, you know, and, and we've had that conversation before. And, and I want to say um, <clears throat> the UN ambassador to Kenya actually made yeah. this point where he's like, you know, empires drew lines on maps and, you know, ethnically we have brothers across borders and there is a great desire to be able to have, uh, mm. you know, to reunite with your brothers and be a part of that society that is, you know, you but it, you cannot force that. And, and this is one of those things where I really do think that, you know, on the world stage, we need to open up great, uh, a greater uh, ability for countries to realign their borders the way that they want to and, and reach agreements and yeah. not have these, you know, straight up, you know, wars and fallouts and all this other stuff. And that, you know, these countries should be able to diplomatically re redesign their borders. Taking pieces of land by force is very much, you know, I, you know, as he said, it's very much a, a piece of the colonial and empire area uh, era that needs to go away. Right. We're, we're far more advanced and more civilized than we were in those days. There is no reason why we can't sit down, discuss and actually agree without guns pointed at people, you know, and yeah. let them figure out who they want to be a part of. And, 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 and that's the tough part is, is that, you know, this idea of territorial integrity and the desire to be a part of, you know, who you want to be a part of is, is something that's always going to play at odds with each other. Agreed. But, but I think that's where, you know, that's where in America, we don't exactly have that issue because 
in America are it's I would say heavily based on ideals. And and I've right. even said to some extent, you know, that states should be able to realign and redraw their maps based on shared political ideas. Let's be real honest. Eastern Washington and Western Washington, two very different political ideal systems. Oh, sure. Very, very different. And and I do uh, sympathize with people in Eastern Washington who who are like, why the fuck are we paying for things that we don't ever get to use? Why we're, you know, why are we having, why are we the ones that are, you know, beholden to, you know, Seattle? I get it. I really do. And I think Seattle and Portland have more in common with each other than Seattle and Spokane. Sure. And I think that's the same case in Oregon as well with, with Western, uh, Western Oregon and, and Eastern mm-hmm. Oregon. Yeah. It's you know, the same in Texas, uh, California, Florida, world, yeah, Northern California way. versus, you know, mm-hmm. versus the South in oh, yeah. the Southern part of California. Northern you know, Texas very, is super liberal, dude. Austin, super liberal, but you go just a hundred miles towards Dallas or Houston super conservative (laughs) right you know in you know and i think that's one of those things where when we set up all of these these lines on the map you know we did so in a way that you know at the time it made sense ish and 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 maybe that's one of the greater discussions that needs to needs to be held as you know how do we how do we as not on not just a country but as a world sit down and have discussions you know very important discussions about you know the right to affiliate with who you want you know and and i think this is where people who who advocate for open borders you know might be well ahead of that step it's like mm-hmm. you, you know i i i can understand where and why they want to do that but at the same time i can also understand that you know from from a from a current political stance, open borders don't make sense. Now, if this is a huge, if, if we were to allow ourselves the freedom of association and not have the government get involved in everything, sure. you know, being the libertarian that I am, mm-hmm. I really do think that open borders could work. I do too. Because, because the answer there is, is that it's like, look, you know, you come over, you know, as long as you are doing the things that a lot that are productive, you know, you can stay here, Yep. you know, make it easy to get you a green card to work. We got, you know, here in the country, we got plenty of jobs that need to be filled. Yeah. And And Mexico has plenty of room to grow, you know, it's the border that holds all of that up and that we spend billions of dollars on a year, you know, mm-hmm. that we just don't have to, if we spent that, I'm sorry, you know, my border rant, if I we know spent that rant. money, if we spent that money on infrastructure at the border, there wouldn't be a border. There'd be this sort of neutral zone where people phase in and out. I know that I know a lot of Mexicans that live in Mexico city would move to a border city. If they could just walk two blocks into America and work at a factory and then go back and live in Mexico and have a summer home with their parents further and, in and, and the reality is is that you know if if americans would learn to be comfortable with the idea that people who work here pay taxes here yeah and so you know they don't you know they're citizens of another country they don't get the best the benefits of being a citizen of our country right they get the benefits of, they get the benefits <laughs> of having a job here but they have to pay our taxes you know yep. that's the reality right and 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 we need that we really do need that you know and especially 
when you look at the the, sh- the shape of world connections as it is right now, if you want America to be a you know a, a, a decent manufacturing hub, yeah, you're going to have to look at you know whether or not you can have workers from Mexico or from Canada be able to come in across the border easily, you know, have their green card to work here, but be able to go back home and get back into the country. Agreed. And and that's the and that's the reality is is that I I think that there is a very viable way to do this. I think there's a very viable way to turn areas of our country into manufacturing hubs mm-hmm. where you know people will live on border towns, yep. come across the border to come to work pay taxes in this country based on their wages and then they'll go back to their country yeah the same here by the way poor people will migrate to border towns to work at places in mexico that are just being built you know it's i don't know that's that's the the reality and here's the reality is is that you'll have shopping centers that spring up inside on our side of the on our side of the border they're going to buy stuff to take back home right they're going to be spending the money that they make by and large here with a, you know, a good significant chunk of it coming back, you know, yeah. uh, going back to their place, but they're going to also be buying products from our country. So the money that they're spending, yeah, sure. Some of it is definitely going to go home to their local economy, but a vast majority of it's going to end up being spent on ours. Or it's going to go into one of the government's federal funds that protects both countries. Like, you know what I mean? From foreign invaders, <laughs> it just, because somebody was saying Mexican, it, that's not a nationality. It's a country. A lot of you have to take people back to where the providence that they grew up in, the area, the land that they grew up on, and that's not necessarily divided mm-hmm. by a Mexican-American border. Some of them are from California, but their families are from places in Mexico, providences, areas. So, yeah, just getting past mm-hmm. that and letting people, a person like a person, doesn't see a border right? They just go to work. If they're on the border of Texas and Mexico, they're just coming here for work, like as a nurse or a factory worker, they don't see the border groups of people. It's, it's us that we're like, Oh no. And the government doesn't care. They're just like, we want our revenue. Like we want the revenue on our side. So mm-hmm. a border is only economic. It isn't personal. It isn't political. It's, it's something to waste money on. You know? and, and you can and, see that in Ukraine and Russia, by the way, because their border was so porous. The people were just people, you know, public access America. It's always funny because like, especially because as you know, libertarians, we get a ton of shit even amongst other libertarians. I think political philosophy is a lot like religion and where there's moments you have to go on faith and trust what somebody else is saying. The main, the main focus is it's like less dependence on the government because, well, we've seen how that's gone. And you don't have to do that if you think about it in a human way. You know, more dependence on connections with each other. But you can always bring it back to what would one human do for another? What would a hundred do for a hundred? People looking out for people. Find Public Access America anywhere you find your favorite podcast every Sunday and Thursday. And join the chat on YouTube at Public Access America every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Communities looking out for community. Public Access America. History in the making, making history in the making, in the making, in the making, in the making, and that's just it is is that you know I guarantee you that you know in Russia there are places where they need Ukrainian workers and yeah. in Ukraine vice versa they need Russian workers, and and the reality is is that 
what this is going to end up doing is causing a lot of animosity between two countries that really were brothers in, in oh, yeah. so many aspects. And, and, and it's, you know, it's really unfortunate. And I, I, I want to say this, you know, for, there were a number, there were a couple of countries, Finland and Sweden that, you know, they were on the fence about NATO. They were like, right. yeah, I could see where it'd be important. I could see where it's not based on what Russia has done. They have done a better job of selling NATO than, uh, than NATO could sell NATO. Like yeah. NATO was more like a drinking club for the longest time. Right. That they almost had it as fractured as it could be. It was almost disbanded. It was almost unnecessary. Right. And unfortunately, you know, the actions of Putin and the Russian government have shown that apparently it's still a necessity. And and Mm -hmm. that's unfortunate because, you know, even in the US, you know, yeah, you know, we had NATO, but we were still pushing for Europe to be able to defend itself, like yeah. not have us get involved. Europe is advanced enough that they they can fight their own battles. Well, you know that you know what I know about Germany. They're really hesitant to militarize for good reason, right? And mm-hmm. we can see why. And but they've they've just agreed to start advancing their military technologies and defense. So yep. once I think I think we have always been trying to train Germany to take that stage in Europe, you know, and a- Andrea Merkel did that really well, but now they, yeah, they Angela they, Merkel did that. And, uh, um, but everybody sees the need to defend themselves against Russia. Now, especially the countries not in NATO, like bordering Russia. Yeah. I never even thought about Sweden and Finland being affected by Russia the way they are majorly, you know, well, Finland has, Finland is now pushing, uh, there's been a civilian petition to join NATO now because of this, you know, Finland didn't necessarily want this. They, they just wanted to be able to do their own thing. And I Uh I respect that Sweden wants to main Sweden has wanted to maintain neutrality. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I can understand why why countries like Finland and Sweden wanted to maintain neutrality. You know, yeah, it's totally there's something there's something viable and important about saying, no, 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 you guys deal with your own shit. We're just we're here doing our own thing. Right. But we have a border and we they border closer to urban areas in Moscow, don't they? <laughs> I mean they're closer in to Moscow than St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg. So they also have a porous border where people go in and out. And Russia did try taking over Finland and Finland did not have any of that. You know, yeah, I mean, they, Finland did end up having to give up some of their land during the second world war, hmm. but, um, because Finland used to expand further to the East, ah. but, but the, now it's, you know, but now you're looking at an issue where Finland's like, shit, what are we going to do about this? Like, we there's a big bully. Involved. We got to join a gang to get away from the big bully. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you just to give you have a message for Ukraine and then, uh, cause we're towards the end and I want to make sure we get some information to Russians to let mm-hmm. them know what's going on. And then, you know, a little support of Ukraine and I'm going to let you do that and then come back and have mine. And then we'll move into the second hour. Yeah. Um, so my message, my message for uh, the Ukrainian people listening are is, is that I really hope very very soon that you will be able to return to peace. You'll be able to put the pieces of of your lives back together um, as much as you can. 
And I am absolutely amazed and proud of how you have defended your homeland. There is, you know, this is, is this is something that, you know, as an American, you know, we kind of grow up with this idea that, you know, we're, we're always going to be prepared to defend our home, but seeing how you have kept the fight to your homeland as much as possible is, is absolutely amazing. And my hope for you all is, is that you have your national heroes. You know, Zelensky has proven himself to be an incredible leader. Um, and, and, and I do firmly hope that, you know, his words still maintain the relevance that they did when he was inaugurated in 2019, that, you know, you don't put pictures, don't put pictures up of Zelensky, put pictures up of your family and make your decisions based on that. And what I hope for you as a people is, is that when you rebuild, you will rebuild back stronger, better the greater national unity, knowing that you fought for each other, despite what differences you may have had before in the political realm, you fought as Ukrainians, not as whatever party you have chosen to represent your worldview on. And that's, that is my hope is, is that when your world returns to as, uh, as normal as it can be that you remember as Ukrainians, you are all brothers first and you don't let politics divide you. We'll be there. I mean, the, the world will be there to help you rebuild. It's uh, yeah. uh, So to Russia, what I want to say to Russians is what I pretty much said all hour. Vladimir Putin is the reason that your country is as decrepit as it is because he's been siphoning out the resources that should go to the progress that you've suffered for. Like you don't live the richest lives you live in mediocrity to serve the glory of your government and that glory isn't being given back to you in the form of prosperity he has a, a trillion dollar house billion dollar house he has a 1.5 trillion dollars in assets hidden around the world that's yours that's your glory that's not vladimir putin's glory so communism could work it could work you're in a great country you know, you have an honorable country, you have one man that is totally an issue. And it's not because of the, his stand on communism. He can defend that to his dying day. He's stealing from you. And that's the issue. That's why you're failing. And that's why he's invading another country. And to Ukraine, I want to say Vladimir Zelensky is on the map as one of my heroes now. If If he was to die in some way, the world would scream in horror and pain and i can't imagine what would happen so i don't think i don't think it's a wise move to kill him you'll make him an idol just like we worry about terrorists so vladimir putin has to worry about what he does to this man because he's basically a saint he's a superhero we don't have iron man right now we have vladimir zelensky and ukrainians as people I think you showed America the privileged entitled portion of America that wanted to play insurrection, what insurrection really looks like. And you, you, you are showing us an example of heroism that we don't have in this country. We haven't had since nine 11, you know, and I think this is bringing 
America together in a way that I don't think Vladimir Putin ever intended. So thank you for your example. That guy stopping a tank. I got to tell you, Jeffrey, it sounds stupid. Doing the right thing at the right time sometimes means kneeling in front of a tank. And as, as, as much as I don't have the right to say it, I feel like it would be something I would do. I would rather die because of the oppression than have to live under it. And I, I think I would go in front of a tank. Of course, I if, I was in a, if I was in a car, half of my car would have gotten crushed. What the fuck? <laughs> right. You know, and, 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 and my message to the Russian people, um, is, is that you, you are a very strong and proud people and mm-hmm. you have every reason to be strong and proud of yourselves. I know that right now it might feel like the world is is just absolutely shitting on you but i I need you to understand it's your government not you the regular everyday people right most you know all of us regular everyday people understand that war is an atrocity and there is no place for it in modern society period end of story there's always the need to be prepared to defend yourselves but there is very rarely ever an occasion where you need to be on the offensive and, and I believe that there are a lot of you out there that recognize that if not half, you know, maybe more. And my hope is, is that when this all finishes and everybody's borders are respected, that you too get to rebuild your government in a way that is more beneficial to the people of Russia, not the people who have the money in Russia. Um, I do believe that you have every reason to keep pursuing so many different things that you've been pursuing and, and that you can be a much greater nation, um, but that you have been taken advantage of by your politicians. And that's unfortunate. And, and I sympathize with you on that. Be strong and just remember that, you know, there are other ways that you can make your government a government of the Russian people and have them be the ones that are not dictating wars in foreign lands. And I hope that you get to see that piece one day soon. Yeah. I hope they get to see the evidence that proves that nobody pushed Russia into this war. You know what I mean? So thank you for listening to public access America. We will be right back right after this song. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, nobody, is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by
by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. To public, to public access, access America. America. Yes, we can. Sunday live streams Sunday on live YouTube. Streams. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Twitter. Apple Podcasts. Podcast, Stitcher, Stitcher Smart, Smart Radio, 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 Radio Public. And Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access public America. Access history America. in the making. Making history in the making. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.